things early career recruitment the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with generation z with all the information that you'll need it's the jack and ollie show hello and welcome to the early careers podcast with myself ollie sidwell and me jack denton uh, so today, we're going to be talking about sustainability in early careers recruitment. Uh, we have a guest with us, and I'm going to introduce her first. Um, she's been Head of Graduate Talent at Clifford Champs for 14 years, the trustee at Bridge Group, which is a charity promoting socioeconomic diversity and equality. She's been there for the past four years, and also been on the ISC as a board director for four years too. She is, of course, Laura Yates. Laura, how are you doing? Oh my God, what an introduction for a Friday afternoon, or morning even. Yeah, I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, we're all well, thanks. We're all well. You've made um, me feel very old there going through what I've been doing and staying at Clifford <laughs> Chance for 14 years. I'm not sure that's the way to introduce people. It gives you credibility, it gives you, you know. Really? Gives, yeah, absolutely. Oh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, we're going to be talking to you today about the Sustainable Recruitment Alliance, um, which just sounds wonderful, but our listeners don't know much about it. So do you want to give an overview about what it is? Because um, we just think it's fascinating. Oh, yeah, I would be delighted to. So um, this kind of launched uh, late last summer in August, the, recruit, uh, the Sustainable Recruitment Alliance. And it was um, an opportunity for us to pull together um, people who are genuinely interested in making a difference around sustainability. And I was really aware when I was thinking about what I could do that I felt a bit disempowered. I was like, I understand what Clifford Charts, my organization is doing when it comes to looking at the ESGs and how we're going to be um, carbon neutral by uh, 2030. But how do I really play a part in that? And how can I make a difference? Um, and I suppose the Alliance was really born out of that idea of thinking, in early talent, as early talent professionals, what can we really do? Uh, what can we do to change the way that we operate, change the way we behave, to have um, a, a, a greater focus on how we can be sustainable and reduce our carbon impact? And, and that's how the Alliance was formed, really, having mm. a, a good long think about what I can do and what I should be doing in this world. And why did you, why was kind of last summer the kind of the right time to do that? Was it, you know, you'd had some experience of it and you thought, you know, you'd learn a bunch of stuff from what you've been doing at Clifford Chance and you thought maybe other people could do some similar things or why was that kind of at the right time, do you think? I think it was the right time by chance, to be honest. I mean, at Clifford Chance, we'd been looking at how we could become more sustainable for about seven years, but not probably doing so very consciously. We'd been doing like iterations each year of getting rid of more and more paper, removing our brochures, uh, move, removing our leaflets, removing our flyers, going to absolutely no paper, looking at what we were doing in terms of merchandise. So all of that had been happening year on year, but we hadn't really consciously thought, actually, when we think about what we've done over the course of seven years, what We've, we've actually made some really significant gains in this area and we should actually probably start to look at that more analytically and say actually let's start to calculate what that means in terms of the reduction in our carbon emissions so I think last last year we'd certainly thought how can we articulate this story over seven years how can we talk about what we've been doing what's worked what hasn't worked mm -hmm. and what our desire for the future really is and then that kind of collided with 
everyone having to think about doing things completely differently because we were suddenly in this like COVID environment, we're in lockdown, we're having to turn our campaigns into completely different campaigns. And we were able to think, right, we've done this over the last seven years. This is our vision for how we become more sustainable in our early uh, talent function and how can we use this catalyst that we've seen through COVID to just radically change the way we do things, um, the way we operate, the the way we behave in the way we see our whole attraction um, and recruitment strategy. And and I think that was probably like this amazing timing that enabled us to do like some really interesting stuff. And then we were really conscious that that we needed to to bring momentum um, behind this campaign, Mm -hmm. hence launching the Alliance and getting others to really do three things. So the whole idea around the Alliance is there's these three R's. We're asking people to review, we're asking people to reduce or replace what they've been doing. And then the most important element is report. And I suppose in essence, that's what we've been doing over that time period. Right. So it sounds like it's gone incredibly well. You've got a whole bunch of other organisations who, of course, share those values. Maybe it'd be um, good for us to maybe explore those three different areas, kind of the review, reduce, report, kind of what that means and what people are signing up to. Like, is it, you know, do they sign up as an organization or as individuals? Is it, what are they kind of committing to and, and what are those different elements? Yeah, so this is like, there, there is like this, this, um, forensic focus on this being in the area of early talent. So Uh you are signing up as an organization to commit to doing this within your early talent function, because we're very conscious that actually there are organizations doing a huge amount of work in this area when it comes to uh, getting the whole operation of the business behind the area of sustainability. So this isn't about duplicating, replicating those models. This is about focusing on the world of early talent. So when it comes to reviewing, it's about saying, right, okay, well, let's look at what we've done before in um, the areas that we own, we have budgetary control over, which would typically be things like your attraction, your marketing. Um, It would be things around your selection, how you manage your programs, if you're running vacation schemes and how you run your schemes. Um, themselves, so your graduate programs themselves. And it's about looking at each of those individual elements to really see, uh, I think, what your fundamental purpose and vision is and how you're adding value to the stakeholders within that particular operation. And then trying to work out, right, how do I strip out any elements that probably are superfluous to that or are actually contributing to additional carbon emissions that we we don't need to have anymore? Because I think there's a a danger, and I certainly fell into this, of, and thanks, Ollie, for saying I've been at Clifford Chance for 14 years, but I have, but you kind of slip into, well, we've always done it this way. This must be the mm. way of doing things. Mm. Um, and there's not always, I don't think, the impetus to say, well, let's just look at things completely afresh. Why have we always relied on brochures? Why aren't we using digital platforms more effectively? Why aren't we significantly changing the way that we invest our budgets to, 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 to follow that model? Um, So I think that's really important in terms of that ability to review and take a longer term um, outlook, not think think about things so um, transactionally in terms of, well, this is the season that I'm planning for. These are the next 12 months. Actually think about where do I want to be as a function in the next three to five years and how how do I want to articulate how what our sustainability journey is going to look like over those three to five years. So I think, yeah, that that review stuff's quite important. But then you, you will have seen this, like lots of professionals don't have the time and the luxury yeah. to actually sit back and, and do that review piece because uh, so many teams are under-resourced. 
there is so much work. And actually finding that ability to just step back and think about something that might not necessarily be core to your strategy and your campaign is quite important. So I guess there's two yeah, things. Yeah, well, you kind of said, um, oh, sorry, Jack, um, you said um, it's almost taken you seven years to do that. So almost over the last six years, you've, you've been doing stuff, but actually haven't had a chance to review. And it's got to this point now where it, it, sustainability, you talked about ESG, there's, there's so much in the news about the importance of it, um, which I think you know, we're certainly behind. Um, it's wonderful to see it all come together. And what, what I really like your approach is that you work in such a huge firm uh, across the globe and to have an impact across that firm must be really difficult as an individual when there's so many thousands of employees. Um, so to actually have... Um, a project that you're you're setting up yourself that can have a real impact within your role. I just think it's absolutely brilliant because it's really topical. It really aligns certainly with what uh, students, everything we've seen with students, really climate conscious, uh, very aware of the importance of you know, the future of their planet. Um, so I think from an audience perspective, it makes a lot of sense too. Um, but equally from a personal perspective, you, know, you, you come across very passionate about this and you're obviously um, putting a lot of time and effort and energy behind this because it's something that you believe in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it took me a while to realize that actually you don't need to do grand gestures. This is about making small steps Mm. um, that are really significant in terms of changing behavior and having an impact. And if everyone were to do that, and this is the whole idea about the alliance, it's about getting signatories to commit to doing this process of reviewing and replacing and reporting. And then that element of reporting and seeing what we can achieve as a group of early talent professionals who are committed to ensuring that sustainability is at the heart of our early talent strategies. Um, but that, that, that's hard. That is hard. And I think your mm. point around it being a seven-year journey, it, 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 it didn't necessarily form as this, this is our strategy. This is what we're going to be able to articulate. It was this um, iteration each year, these steps that we were taking that made sense at the time. Um, but it's actually when you reflect back on that and you think, no, that, that has actually been quite a significant journey. And each of those years, we've had the confidence to say, we don't need those brochures. That's not the way we need to engage. And actually, the students don't necessarily want that. And that's allowed us to play around with the idea of the leaflets and the flyers, because we weren't really at the time ready to get rid of all of our paper literature, but then feeling really confident to say, actually, we're going to get rid of all of that. And everything is now going to be invested in our online um, attraction strategies. Um, and maybe others do that really quickly. Maybe others do jump into that. Um, but that's certainly been our journey. And it's given us that confidence to be able to, to do things differently, invest in different things. I mean, we have we invested in a podcast series about four, three, four years ago mm-hmm. um, as one of those alternative options to trying to tell the stories through the traditional brochure. Um, and that's fun. That's what I think most of us are in this, mm. this profession for, um, engaging with students, doing so in a meaningful way, making sure they've got uh, meaningful development opportunities and, and, and getting some satisfaction whilst you're doing it in terms of that job satisfaction. Yeah. I guess it's one of those things as well. Once you start looking into it, you start finding more and more things. So at first you might be like, well, what can we do? I guess we could scrap our brochure, but then it's then you start sort of building on each element of the whole campaign and actually think, actually, there's loads of things we can do. And that's, I guess, must be the nicest bit about having it as the alliance is that if you as an organization were thinking, I've got 101 other things to do. Sure, I would love to be able to do these sorts of things, but I'm not sure I've got time. If you've kind of got a framework of other people who've done it who can say, actually, 
it's not what you think. Actually, these are all the things that you can change. And these are actually fairly simple, quick changes. And now here's a list of them. And then you can go, oh, actually, it becomes much more accessible, doesn't it, I guess? Yeah, absolutely. And this is what it's about. This isn't about getting competitive advantage over any of our um, other employers. It's about saying we're sharing best practice. This is about sharing our ideas, um, sharing our thoughts um, and, 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 and creating, yeah, like you say, um, a, a pool of resources where you can tap into if you haven't got the luxury of time and you can think that's an easy step, that's worked. That there's, It's obviously uh, proven to have worked within that particular context. I'm going to be able to sell that easily back in my business. And I think it's also about being curious um, because like one of the examples we had at Clipper Chance was around um, looking at our merchandise. Mm-hmm. And actually, one of the uh, initial names for the Sustainable Recruitment Alliance was all around Ditch the Merch, which never really stuck, although I wish it had. Um, but Good it was hashtag. looking up. It is, isn't it? Hashtag Ditch the Merch. Um, but we were thinking about, right, okay, well, we buy all of this stuff. Why do we buy it in the first place every year? And why are we thinking that actually handing out some nylon rucksack with our brand printed all over the back is going to make any difference in terms of a quality candidate deciding to uh, accept an offer with us over and above another candidate. But also, like, I don't know anything about these pieces of merchandise. And I've never questioned our supply chain to really get to the bottom of where these, mm. where these um, objects are made, who makes them, what the supply chain is like, how ethical it is from a working practices perspective, um, how sustainability is built into the heart of that product. And actually, being curious and finding a supplier for our merchandise who was just as, invest, just as invested in the sustainability agenda as we were and were prepared to go that extra mile. So we understood every single element of that supply chain was really like enlightening. And actually, when we went to them, we said, look, do you know what? What we want this year is virtually no products. I want them all to be manufactured in the UK. Um, Now, was I able to find those products in the UK? No, I wasn't. But I could find them in mainland Europe. So, I've managed to commit to buying two products as part of our merchandise um, offering that are both manufactured in mainland Europe, one in Frankfurt, one just outside of Naples. I know every single thing now to do with how those products are produced, what those factories are like, what their working practices are like, how they're transported back to me, what they're going to be transported in, what the packaging is going to be like, and then how I'm going to be able to articulate that if I'm questioned by the students who then say, well, actually, you're part of the Sustainable Recruitment Alliance, but why on earth are you still using um, a pen and a pad, but I can I can I can articulate why. And actually, mm. if I can't articulate why, that's part of my review process, and I should be getting rid of them. Mm. And actually, there's there's lots of interest in that because some of you might have seen the video that we produced about our journey of the pen. Yeah, it's really um, cool. And it's got nearly like two hundred and fifty thousand views. And I never thought it would be that popular, but there's something in like that that idea of questioning. And then being able to talk about and create a story around that journey you've gone on mm. that resonates yeah. with the audience. The video is found. For anyone who hasn't uh, listened to it, we'll put it on our, our website and do do search for it because it is is really um, just brilliantly put together and really tells a, a great story. Um, picking on that, let's let's answer that question then because you said you can justify to students that you 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 know you can you bring two bits of uh, produce to a, a fair or to students. You can justify that. What? In my eyes, you're justifying that by your offsetting the emissions from that, or just talk us through what your what your thinking is there. But yeah, this is really interesting because um, 
I'm intrigued to say, and it's a shame we weren't out on campus this season, and I'm not entirely sure we will be for the coming season, but I'm intrigued as to what that conversation is going to be with the students, because the way I'm going to come at this is by saying, look, I know, I think, in fact, I don't know, I understand and I believe from the, the feedback that I've received before that actually students need uh, pads and they need paper and that is a useful um, product for an individual to have access to and if it wasn't there they may go and buy it so I'm not producing something that is in is unnecessary and is superfluous to individuals use and then I'm able to say well actually I know that what I have chosen is um, produced in a way that is having the least impact on the environment so for the people who are listening to this podcast, this is absolutely useful, but I am now showing a copy of the notepad. <laughs> but it's one of these where you can oh, get refills inside. Oh, it's, so, it's delightful. <laughs> You're missing out so much. The quality yeah. of the leather, like the wow. But it's got refills inside. So we've acknowledged that actually most right. people throw away their notepads when they're full up. But this enables us to say, right, this is the paper that I know is produced in a renewable forest just outside of Naples. Um, and I'm able to say to the candidates, well, you're not throwing away the whole product. The outside is made from repurposed leather, um, recycled repurposed leather. Um, and this will be something that you treasure and keep forever, which is beautifully embossed with the Clifford Chance logo. Um, but we will talk about it. And it's a talking point. And then I can talk about what else we're doing from um, a uh, a, a, a carbon emissions perspective internally. I can talk about what we're doing from an ESG perspective and enables me just to have a more meaningful conversation with that individual student. Now, if they turn around and say, do you know what? Actually, I don't think what you're doing is sustainable. And there are lots and lots of students saying, we don't need these. We don't want them. In fact, we're just not using paper anymore. We're, we're using our um, our computers. Then there'd be an argument for saying, well, we don't need to take these anyway. Let's get rid of these. So mm. I think it's about being open-minded. It's having that conversation and it's getting that feedback. And we've been working with a load of societies um, to, to have those conversations and, and, and explore what's really wanted. Mm. And it's interesting because some societies, I know Nottingham Law Society have been very active um, over the last couple of months looking at how they offset their emissions as a society and working with another law firm to actually come into a commercial arrangement to enable them to offset their emissions. And that's something we're going to be looking to explore in terms of offsetting. We haven't gone down that route yet because what was important to us is to review down our usage to a point where we say this is where we're at and we can't remove that anymore this is what we've done and then to say well how do we offset that and there are really interesting creative ways we can do that and I'd look to do that in partnership with with students and that's the fun bit that it's about exploring what you can do and what you can do differently mm. to talk about your 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 vision your values and your strategy it's a lot of it's try and go beyond the fear there's loads of fear in the early career space yeah. of not doing something if I haven't got highlighters, no one will come to our stand and talk to us. Well, if the reason someone wants to engage with your brand is because they're getting a highlighter, I think you might need to rethink some other bits of what's going on. Because the reason you someone should embark on a career with you is not because you gave really fancy highlighters or water bottles to them. But there's, I think there's yeah. always that fear in the early career space. Yeah, and I'm not. I, I, I'm not um, think thinking for one minute that there aren't challenges for lots of different recruiters about how they articulate um, their offering and how they position their brand. Um, so it's it, it, we're in a quite a luxurious position that we have a strong brand. Um, so the way that we've approached this and the, and, and the challenges that we've had won't be the same as others. 
But it's this idea of having that luxury that we talked about of time to be able to go away and really take a step back and work out how you offer meaningful attraction and development opportunities. I think that's the key. It might as well. You might well see as well in the future that um, this sort of thing um, becomes more of a feature of people's campaigns whereby, you know, um, on, on basically probably every jobs board out there, you have information about different parts of the business and what's important. It might be sustainability becomes one of those key factors that students use to decide which employer they, they might like to, to work for. So it might also be in the future not really an option to avoid this, even if you, from now, you think, oh, actually, I'm going to leave it for now. But actually, it might be in 10 years or five years, might be much faster than we think that you can't avoid it. I completely agree, Jack. And you're seeing that already. I mean, um, we're, we're really lucky to have Students Organising Sustainability, which is um, an offshoot of the National Union of Students involved with the Alliance. They're on our steering committee and they've done some um, really interesting research, I think about over the last 10 years, looking at student um, uh, perceptions around employment opportunities and weighing that up with sustainable employment opportunities and some really interesting data coming out of that suggests that a significant number of students are prepared to take a reduction in their starting salary to work for an employer with stronger sustainability credentials and if you look at what the University of Oxford is doing um, they've now started to embed questions around sustainability into the questions they're asking employers and sharing that information information back with their student audience through the career service because they know that there is a demand for having that understanding when they're going through the job search you're only going to see more of that mm. yeah um, yeah certainly this it all sounds really really like exciting because well, it sounds like as we were talking through it this spending a lot of time in the review stage you know, your three r's that you spoke about earlier of review reduce and then report you're spending a lot, or spend 80% of your time trying to review what you're doing and trying to work out exactly where. And then once you've reviewed what look what it looks like, you can then actually think about the future, what it could be, how it could be different. Um, and then obviously report on how, how you've performed on that front. How do you think it, it's going to look in the future then? Because you've got your alliance with, you say, is it 30 members at the moment? Do you, do you see the whole of early careers having a sustainability vision or is it just going to be the vanguard of the few of you that care enough as people to get involved in this? I hope it's everyone and I, I genuinely hope that there well I think there will be individuals that do this because they feel deeply passionate about the need yeah. to commit to sustainability personally and as part of their offering when it comes to early talent. I think there will be which, which is brilliant but, but equally as brilliant there will be individuals that fall into this because they will have been doing things dramatically differently because you've had this catalyst of reduce and replace brought on by COVID. And people will be um, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a space now where they're thinking, I've had a whole year of a virtual campaign. And actually, there's probably quite a lot of benefits that have come from that. So I'm hoping that over the course of the next 12 months, we'll see a significant number of new employers commit to being part of the alliance. Um, and we see more of those employers sharing their stories. And I think that's really important to have stories that fall into both of those camps and to share experience and share best practice and get others to think, 
I need to be doing this. Um, and I think this this ecosystem of the um, early talent professionals within employers, the university sector in terms of the career service experts, um, and then the students themselves, over the next 12 months, there'll be way more interaction between those three um, bodies to question, to collaborate, and to ultimately push this agenda forward. Mm. Yeah, and your alliance brings examples from different companies to show exactly what they've done or their thought processes or really practical tips, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And we're building those. So we're really keen to hear from you, even if you're in the early steps of your journey, um, even if you're perhaps like us where you've been doing stuff, but you haven't really articulated that into a, a coherent journey of this is where we've been, this is where we've come to. Um, we're really, really keen to share those stories, get those examples, build those case studies out on the website, and then to start to, to promote that out more widely. Um, so we are in the process of launching a couple on there that are from the university sector. Uh, so Oxford got launched um, about a week ago on the website uh, with some really interesting practical tips for the types of things that you can do as a career service or as an employer in engaging with a career service. And I just hope over the next six to 12 months, there's loads more of that. I mean, I think we're probably at a tipping point, uh, as in there's not many of these sorts of inflection points that happen in a market, but I think no. we're probably looking to complete the digitalization of um, the early career space, which started probably when Milk Round first went online in 1996 or whenever it was, I think it was 1996, <laughs> to which was then it became a hybrid and I think we're probably moving into a space now where it's going to become not exclusively, but um, mostly digital. And I think the last year has probably affected that. So I think it's going to bring all those things together. So when you're talking about, you know, um, sustainability and what's gone on there, once I think you've already got enough people in it. It's going to, it's, it's on a movement that it's got enough momentum that it's going to eventually get to a point where you can't avoid it. So everyone's going to have to do that. And, um, Ollie and I, the other day, we were talking to Stephen Issue. We had him on the podcast and we did a bit of an overview of you know, what's been going on over the last sort of, 12 months. And he was saying, look, um, um, he spoke to lots of different organizations across a whole different variety of sectors. And actually, businesses are quite pleased with um, some of the changes that have happened in the last 12 months in terms of what they've been doing on campus and some of the virtual events and the money that they've saved. And I think there's also... Um, and it might not be that everyone will say that publicly, but there's a personal toll on people when you have to travel up and down the country, left, right and centre for a couple of months. And you, you might not say, oh, I don't want to do it because I don't want to do that. But I think that's definitely there under the surface. And people have seen that they can reach potentially a wider range, you know, in terms of social mobility and stuff of communities. And so I think maybe we're actually going through this second evolution or second stage of the of the, um the digitization of the early career space. And I think what you're doing is basically at the center of that. Yeah, you're absolutely right. And I think sustainability is such a, a broad area and we've like focused in on the area of carbon emissions. But actually, if you think more broadly, there's a lot around social justice and you just mentioned social mobility and the ability to democratize access to opportunity that has now been provided in an environment where we're all investing and delivering in online attraction, 
strategies is amazing. We've never, ever as a profession had this opportunity before. Um, if I think about what we've been doing, we launched um, a global virtual internship program um, with the help of the University of York. We are delivering um, 20 uh, over 20 hours of modular-based content on three internships, um, uh, cybersecurity, human rights, and climate change, interestingly. Um, and we launched it back in August, the same time as the Alliance. And we've had nearly 20,000 enrollments. And this isn't about pipelining into vacation schemes. It's about saying, let's take all of that content that used to be hidden away behind vacation schemes and application-only routes and put it out for the masses and really democratize access to quality development opportunities. Um, and I think that's that's huge. That's going to massively shift the dial when it comes to social mobility and improving access to not only the legal profession, but all of the professions that we're operating in. Hmm. Do you think um, as well over time, the Alliance will also incorporate um, more university partners and more supplier partners? I hope, I hope so. Yeah, I, I absolutely hope so. I mean, this is this is so it's so um, it's really in its infancy phase and it's trying to work out how do we make the maximum impact? How do we come together as uh, an ecosystem? And your point around the suppliers is a really important one because there are so many suppliers who work with us as partners in the profession um, to deliver our strategies. And it's really important to find a way of putting upward pressure um, and downward pressure on those relationships. So one of them, an example would be how we interact with our traditional um, media suppliers that have historically used a lot of print media. Um, mm. And actually, we're trying to work out now when we're going into our negotiations for the 21-22 season, how are we going to articulate the fact that we don't actually perhaps see a need for us to be in that traditional print media and we want even if that's the offering and how do we influence those conversations to ensure that the the idea of putting sustainability at the heart of our strategy is reflected in those relationships with the suppliers we haven't worked that out yet as Clifford Chance we need to and that's a really important element for our next step in our in our journey um, but yeah I think that's definitely going to be a a developing relationship that I'm really keen to see what, what happens with I think it already does. I mean, you can see it like we saw last year, you know, in sort of, um, well, sort of springtime, a little bit like March, April, we were thinking about our print publications that we've done. We've decided um, already to um, scrap our newspaper. And then we thought, well, why are we going to print something that's going to be very hard to distribute? People aren't going to get it. And since then, we've committed to basically scrap all of our print. And so I think it will, it will become an, an inevitable, I think, for, for many organizations. I hope so, and I hope because you you've taken the it's inevitable you've taken the decision, but I think there's going to be this tipping point when hopefully we get back to some element of normality, mm. and people are tempted um, to, to to go to a hybrid model, and then we start to shift back to doing things as we've always done before. I hope, I really hope that doesn't happen, mm. but it only takes a couple of the big players to start to do things as we've done in the past, for others then to go, I'm really worried, perhaps we should be doing that too. Mm. And to perhaps yeah. erode some of the the, bet, the, the steps we've made for uh, taking forward. Yeah, that's one thing that Stephen was talking about in the previous podcast about the importance of com competition. So oh, he's a wise man. He's a wise <laughs> man, that Stephen. <laughs> exactly. We, you get so much benefit from being you know, one of the first to do something new and people follow you. And actually that's great that you're being innovative and different. But actually when, if too many people go the new way, let's say everyone goes digital, then there's a big gap back on campus, for example. So then there's a competitive advantage to be had to be the only 
company on campus and he almost like reversed back again so yeah he was saying it's quite a difficult one to try and balance out but uh, certainly from a sustainability perspective as I mentioned earlier it's about the students and yeah. mm. every bit of research we've done uh, every bit of research we see on this audience they are so keen to support the environment and anything that companies can do to commit to a more sustainable planet sustainable future they will hook on to and they'll love it and your your stat earlier that students would take a lower salary to have a greater importance around sustainability at the business they're in. Mm. That just says everything, really, because it just shows they're working for a purpose. And exactly a long-term purpose that we're all aligned with uh, that you're yeah. trying to create. And I think that's why the third element of the alliance, the, the report, is so very important, because the ability to then articulate what you've done and what that results in in terms of reductions in your emissions and be able to articulate that back to the student audience is so important because that hopefully will stick and it will be the kind of thing that students become more aware of and more willing to challenge employers on um so I really hope, I, yeah, I really, really hope that's important, uh, that becomes increasingly important. And, and reporting for the Alliance is all going to be about aggregating the data. So each year we're going to come together, ask the Alliance members what they've been doing, and then report on the uh, aggregated data in terms of those uh, ho- hopefully improvements with regards to carbon emissions. Mm. So we're going to see some sort of leaderboards. We're going to see some awards. It's not all about the competition here, surely. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe, maybe in time, maybe in time. You could win your own award as well. (laughs) (laughs) And anyone who knows me knows awards are very important to me. Uh, But no, this this is not about this at this stage. It's about um, collecting that aggregated data and then coming up with an impact report, which will hopefully Mm. encourage others and, and, you were asking Jack about uh, earlier about the next six to 12 months and that's it. You've got to get people coming behind this because it's only going to um, be a success if we get momentum behind it. Um, and we've been very, very fortunate that we've got some really big names already signed up um, and to, to, to have got 30, over 30 employers um, and career services involved in a little over six months with our focus being on just turning around our strategies in this COVID environment has been absolutely fantastic. And um, so hopefully that will continue. Mm-hmm. Well, well done. Uh, you should feel and be very proud of what you've achieved. And oh, as soon as we saw it, we were, we were just like blown away by it. I think it's absolutely spot on. And yeah, yeah hopefully this raises the profile a bit further and certainly for any employers or universities listening, uh, do get in touch. We'll put links on our, our website so you can have a little look. Yeah, um, and that'll link you to all, all the information to firstly watch the video it's a good five minute video to give you a bit of background but then also read a bit more uh, on the website and get in touch with laura should you want to is there, Thanks, uh, is there anything that we haven't asked you yet laura that we should have asked you oh uh, what well, i'm having for lunch uh it's like school it's like being back at school oh, i'm gonna have fish and chips on a friday at lunch yeah, <laughs> um no i don't think so i don't think so jack great is there no, is there any just, burning questions no that's just a question we always ask every guest at the end just in case we haven't asked the right question that we have missed out and someone goes you didn't you, what you should have asked me is and then uh, we can we can make sure anything that important we've missed is is brought up. No, you're such excellent hosts. You've covered absolutely everything. Uh, lovely stuff. Great to hear, isn't it, Ollie? <laughs> well, when you get a compliment, yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> Does that not happen often? 
No, very rarely. <laughs> it's the first one we've had, actually. This is the penultimate podcast in Series 6, I believe. So, um, the first compliment we've had live on air. So, mm. thank Need to you. Harder. Right, one, one compliment, <laughs> one gift, haven't we, Ali? Absolutely. So, um, well, thank you very much for um, coming on the show, Laura. Really appreciate it. It sounds wonderful. And if anyone would like to find out more, they should visit sralliance.co.uk. Thanks, guys. Wonderful. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I've been Ollie. And I've been Jack. And that is the Early Careers Podcast. The Early Careers Podcast. Bye. For all things early career recruitment, the strategies to help you succeed will help you work with Generation Z with all the information that you'll need. It's the Jack and Ollie Show.